Hey, everybody. This is Jeff Shulman. And before we begin today's episode, I just want to acknowledge two companies who I am so grateful for investing in a more inclusive future. As you may know, one of the things I'm most proud about is partnering with Marty Burris to launch the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator, a program that is empowering inclusion-minded professionals from historically marginalized communities to land their first product management role. And this started as a volunteer effort, and I'm so grateful that Starbucks was our first sponsor and T-Mobile is a platinum sponsor. Both of these companies are investing in this program that is not just broadening access to economic opportunity, but preparing the next generation of product managers from historically marginalized communities who care to build for everyone. So Starbucks and T-Mobile, these are two companies it's a pleasure to work with who are investing not only their money, but their employees are investing their time and pouring it into a program that is building a family and preparing the next generation of product managers. So shout out to T-Mobile, shout out to Starbucks, and now enjoy today's episode. Product managers give 100% of themselves to their customers. But who's there for the PM? The Product Management Center at the University of Washington. It's a global hub for knowledge, community, and impact. I'm Jeff Shulman, founding director of the Product Management Center, and your host on this show, How to Succeed in Product Management. Welcome, everybody. My name is Jeff Shulman, and I am the founding director of the Product Management Center here at the University of Washington. And we are going to have an important conversation today because with all that's going on with layoffs and job uncertainty, economic uncertainty, and just the ramped up pressure on those who have their jobs, we want to talk about a very important topic, which is how do you manage your energy? Is it likely for many of you feels like constant stress and constant pressure to hit your metrics? So how do you maintain your energy and how do you maintain your mental health? And this will be a jam session. So uh, we've got a, a guest here. He was in the very first Inclusive Product Management Accelerator cohort at the University of Washington. And we also have Sumeya Benganam, as always, who's here every single week trying to build a more diverse, inclusive, and skilled product management community by sharing her insights. So we're going to talk about, again, managing energy and mental health. And I hope that you'll come up on stage and share your what you're doing. To And it, you don't have to be a current product manager. We would just love to hear how you're managing your energy and your, your mental health. So uh, with that, uh, Sumeya, why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself and why this topic is important? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Jeff. And hello, everyone. When Jeff said we would love to have you join us, he wasn't kidding. Uh, join us as soon as possible to basically share your lived experience and what works and what doesn't. And really what matters in, in this conversation is that we all have different techniques that work for us. Some might work for some people, others might not. And I think if we share and we share what uh, you know what has been proven for us individually that will be helpful for everyone. The reason why energy and mental health or the discussion around these two topics is important is because our job as PMs requires so much resilience, requires so much influence. And how can we influence others when we can't take care of ourselves? So it's really important for us to focus inward on our own growth, on our own mental health, on our own mental well-being before we can outwardly do well with others around us. I think it's a really important responsibility. So today's conversation hopefully can shed some light on the hows and the whys of that. All right. And then Leslie. 
you were in the inaugural cohort, one of the first product managers to come from the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator, got hired at Microsoft after the program or during the program, if I remember correctly. Tell us a little bit about yourself before we get started and talking about this topic. Yeah, absolutely. So just like Jeff said, um, I was in the first inaugural Inclusive Product Management Accelerator program back in the fall of 2021. And during that program, I learned a lot about product management. It was an exciting career path for me at the time, and I learned so much from that program. And during the program, I was able to get my first product management role. Um, Initially started off as an associate product manager at AKQA, and then a couple of months later, was able to get an opportunity to become a product manager too, uh, which is where I'm currently at at Microsoft. And I'm excited about this topic. I'm excited about this topic because I recognize that we've experienced a lot of transitions over the past couple of years. Uh, transitions that many of us is hard to prepare for. You know, to go from in-person work being the norm to remote work being the norm, and now hybrid and remote work being the norm. Just learning how to work differently from what we're used to. And with these transitions require a lot of energy. Energy to one, understand how to be the most productive self in your work environment, but also understand how to be the most productive self personally. And going through these transitions can take a toll on on us. And, you know, I think this topic, especially as we all contribute, can be a very fruitful one. So I'm happy to, to be here today to discuss. All right. Very well put. So first, maybe we could be candid for a moment to try to invite others to also express themselves. First, I want to make sure that everybody knows that everybody's talking individually for themselves and their own opinions, not giving any secrets about their company or anything. But if we could try to open up with a little bit of vulnerability is what most personally do you find draining? Yeah. For you personally, what is most draining on your energy that will then help us understand how you build that energy back up. We'll start with Sumeya and then Leslie. Yeah. So I I was uh, thinking about, you know, my 20 years plus career in in this world and about the different jobs I've had and the ones that were the most challenging from a mental health perspective. And I like the the ones, you know, the number one challenge for me in those jobs was in the team culture or the lack of purpose and meaning. So team culture, as in, I did not feel like a valued member of the team. I did not feel like my voice was heard. I didn't feel like my uh, boss was supportive. Or two, just my, let's say my team was amazing, but the work wasn't, was not something I wanted to wake up in the morning and do, was not motivating. And yes, the paycheck is meaningful, amazing, but I always personally, and knowing thyself here is really important, I needed that extra thing that made it worthwhile to wake up and go to work and make an impact. And so just as a summary here, the two parts to it have been, number one, understanding myself, what matters to me, and then number two, finding a place where the, the culture was great, allowed me to grow, and I found meaning in my work. All right. Thank you, Sumeya. Leslie, what's the most draining aspect of your job or a personal life? Uh, just let us know what's draining your energy or taxing your mental health so that we can get motivated to understand how you're balancing your energy and, and your mental health. Yeah, most definitely. Um, I think the thing that's been draining my energy lately is this this desire for connection, right? I think when you're so used to working remotely and just to provide context, you know, I live by myself. So, 
you know, when you're working remotely all the time, it can be very hard to understand the difference between like what is truly genuine connection and what is connection behind the screen. And connection behind the screen is, is, is quite straightforward, right? Where you're in this meeting with all of your colleagues, you see them on the screen and, you know, it can be a very great meeting. You can kind of get the energy from your colleagues there, but you come to the realization that is a screen. You're not in front of a colleague. You can't really, you can't shake their hand. You can't give them a hug. You can't give them a high five. You know, you can't really actually feed off of that real energy. And I've caught myself realizing that, hey, I see them now, but anything can happen that can stop me from seeing them. I'm having internet trouble and now I can see my colleague and now I can't. Or technical difficulties, Wi-Fi goes out, there's a very bad storm and everything shuts off. Not only does my technology shuts off, but now my connection to that person shuts off. And I think remote work has made that more of the norm where I have to remind myself that like, I'm looking at a screen and I don't get the energy that I probably would get if I was in person from looking at a screen sometimes. So I say that's been the, the more draining part and that desire for connection. You know, where, where can I go outside of work to get that to connection, especially when a good chunk of my team don't live in, in the city that I live in now? So it's something that I've been really trying to balance and, and further understand what that can look like and what are some of, some of the techniques that I can do to ensure that I can continue to keep my energy high during, during this critical time. All right. Thank you for sharing, uh, both of you, uh, being candid here. Appreciate it. So uh, should I share some air or since I'm, I'm a professor, not a product manager, I guess we should just focus on the two of you, right? No, you're a human. I think, <laughs> I think that that's the most important part in this discussion. So we hope, right? <laughs> Maybe Plus I want to that. I might've, uh, organized a chat bot to, uh, synthesize my voice. Brilliant, then. It would be brilliant, right? Do you think the chatbot would also say, are you red, E? <laughs> it definitely wouldn't say, is microphone A better or microphone B, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so good. Okay, so I guess candidly, there's been times where I felt crushed by the weight of what the product management center could be. I see the reactions to it early on, and I see the impact we're having in terms of creating a sense of belonging, empowering people to build for more diverse audiences, to think beyond themselves and the people who come from similar backgrounds as they're creating products. And so I see what it could be, and sometimes it, it takes way too much of my energy to try to get it there today or tomorrow rather than patiently letting it, it grow. Uh, so at sometimes I'll be honest, I'm a little bit crushed by the weight of the potential of what we're trying to build and finding it difficult to try to build it there quickly without taking all the steps that will big enough partners involved. So that's my story for you. Sorry, very quickly. The challenge here is in slowing yourself down to bring people along or in not feeling disappointed that you're not going as fast as you want to be. Ah, good question. I guess one is going too fast. You got to bring people along at that speed. So I think that's one. And then, yeah, I guess the other is just that, yeah, you just put too much, too many hours than is healthy. <laughs> so, but I'm learning now. <laughs> you know, both of those sound like things that PMs also face. And I say this because when I talk to my mentees or people on my team, these are two themes that come up often because as a team, 
you have to wait to bring everyone along. You yourself might want to be jump jumping a thousand, you know, feet ahead. But if the team collectively can only go 800 feet or 500, that's what you need to do. Go 500 feet only. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Well said. So Leslie, anything that to chime in on that before we then get back to the human connection, but anything to chime on how you're able to bring your team along with you and the people along with you and go at the pace? Yeah. Anything to add to that conversation part of it? Yeah, I think the only thing I can really add to that is I mean, going too fast doesn't necessarily equate to being extremely productive. You have to kind of like survey the pace that your team is moving at, but also the pace at which your customers are moving at too, right? I think as a product manager, like you have to bring your customers along in the journey. And being a product manager, exciting role, right? Because you get to look at the industry trends and the market trends and what your competitors are doing and you want to move quickly. And I think Right now with AI, everything is so shiny and everybody wants to try the shiniest thing possible right now, which it is exciting you know, for, for innovation. But I think as a product manager, it can be also a great fast track to burnout if you try to move too quickly, if you try to do everything at once, but you're not thinking about the core fundamental thing that you must focus on that can be beneficial for your team and be beneficial for your customers. And it's, it's a learning process. For me, being a, you know, a relatively new product manager in the space is something that I'm learning, that just because there are so many things that are coming out right now doesn't mean that you have to put your energy on everything. Because if you do that, then you lose sight of what the core fundamental need is for the business, for your customers, for your team. And you can burn out yourself and you can burn out the team inadvertently because you're coming with so many different ideas turning that now there's no direction. So I think for me, it's something that I have to be mindful of, of really like, it's okay to, to move at a steady pace as to where the team is, as to where the company is, as to where your customers is, because I think as long as you're making your core fundamental customer happy, that's what really matters. And it doesn't mean you have to move at a thousand miles per hour. It's a thousand miles per hour to, to achieve that. Very well put. Sumay, anything to add before we move on to the in-person connection drain on the energy or the lack thereof? Nothing on this point. I, I just wanted to highlight that, uh, I, you know, we are talking mainly to product managers and with product managers. So anyone who wants to join us up on, on this stage, please feel free to. The things we're talking about, the challenges are human challenges. Again, I talk to a lot of founders, uh, I invest in startups, and some of what we're saying right here applies to most founders. And you can imagine it, it's compounded by a bunch of other factors around funding and, you know, a board, etc. So I hope that we, you know, we come out of this conversation with empathy for all the other humans around us that we deal with day in and day out, including people in the service industry that face the same, the same kind of challenges too. Well put. And so, yes, come on, join us on stage, raise your hand, click on that button, and we'd love to have you here. But first, I want to get back to, or not first, as we wait for you to raise your hand and join us, Leslie, I'd love to talk a little bit about, go deeper into that isolation that, that you said you felt. Are there strategies? I know that other people are feeling that as well. Are there any strategies that you found have worked to bring that energy back? Yes. Uh, one thing that I've been practicing a lot of lately is this term called body doubling. And 
For those who are not familiar with what body doubling is, body doubling is a phenomenon in which you work with other people. And as a result of working with other people, it makes you more productive. So one way that we've been seeing this in practice lately, especially in a predominantly digital work world, is people would work with other people, whether they know that person or they don't. They get on a Teams call, Zoom's call, Google Meet's call, whatever video conferencing tool they use, and that person will have their camera on, and the both of you are simply working and you're not talking to each other. And by simply doing that, just knowing that there is another person there with you makes you more productive. So the way that I do that, you know, especially as someone that do live by myself, is I go to cafes. And the way that I'm able to really maximize that by doubling effect is going to a space knowing that there's going to be other people there with their laptops open or reading a book or whatever the case may be. And just simply being in that space, seeing other people working on whatever they're working on, whether it's working on homework, whether it's, you know, doing work or doing a personal project, whatever the case may be, simply seeing that allows me to be more productive. And I notice that when I do that more often, I catch myself getting more done in a process. So that's kind of been one thing that I've been trying to put into practice, especially having a 100% remote role, is finding these spaces where I can see other people and feed off of their energy, even though I don't know them, in order to make myself more productive and generate more energy. Sumeya, is there anything that you've done to yeah get that energy? Yeah, so I imagine, Leslie, you're an extrovert, which is similar to me as well, where we get energy from being around other people. You know, for me, this for this specific uh, challenge, what I have done since the, the pandemic and since we've become completely uh, remote is now I'm trying to do more things beyond work that involve working with people. So I take, for example, an evening class for continuing education with other adults in person. There are people, for example, in the class who are asking the professor to make the class remote. And I'm one of the people who don't want that because I enjoy the in-person interactions. I have other things that I'm doing socially with a little more structure that give me that in-person interaction. Yeah, but uh, that has been my main focus right now. All right, we have our first person from the audience. This is being recorded and distributed as the How to Succeed in Product Management podcast, so I'll only use her first name, but she's free to say as much as she wants. Emily. Emily, great to see you. Uh, What would you like to share? Thanks, Jeffrey, and hello, everyone. Um, I'm really loving this conversation. I think it's, it's giving me some good energy, so I think just having the conversation gives me energy. So thank you for having it. My two cents here I just wanted to share with with folks on the call is, you know, recently I was having a conversation about energy at work with a colleague and something that they said to me really sort of was a great question that I wanted to share with you all, which is, you know, she said, when you look back on the last six months, you know, what was the thing that you did or the things that you were doing at work that really gave you a lot of energy? And ask yourself that question and take a look back at six months and, you know, look at that kind of data for yourself and find ways to maybe carve out 10 to 15 percent of your work to to sort of look at that or, or how you can learn more about that thing or that topic or, or that 
event or whatever it was that provided you with that energy and, and try to car- carve out some time to, you know, be curious and lean into that. And, and sometimes that can offer you a pathway to whatever's next in your career. So I wanted to just share that with, with folks because I thought that was a really good question to, to be asked and to be thinking about. Yeah, thank you. Sumeo, any questions that you ask of yourself that help you find ways to manage your energy and, and your mental health? Yeah. So one of the things that I've been focusing on a lot for the past few months, at least that works for me, is gratitude. What are the things I'm grateful for that day or, you know, that the in the past few hours? I find that mentally that allows me to revisit positive moments throughout the day and gives me a little more mental and, you know, mental energy. So I highly recommend that. I think there are books and a lot of things written about the power of gratitude. My one technique is to take five minutes. I have five minutes break in uh, during my day, right in the afternoon around 2 p.m. Eastern, where I take five minutes and I do this mental gratitude revisiting exercise. The reason I chose 2 p.m. is because also that's around the time I usually get the afternoon slump. So, yeah, that's a current thing that has been working well for me. Leslie, anything that you ask yourself or that you do to make sure that you have enough energy to uh, be happy, fulfilled, and do what you want to do? Yeah, I think one thing that I'm always asking myself is, what can I do that can separate myself from work? I think the challenging part of remote work is that you don't, have a hard stop unless you create that hard stop. You know, for those who, who have the, the typical nine to five, well, with remote work, it could be nine to six, nine to seven, nine to nine. You know, you, you don't really have those clear boundaries unless it's set. So for me, especially now, now that the weather is becoming very nice, I'm asking, I'm always asking myself, what are some things I could do that I could really allow myself to, to separate from work? It kind of reminds me of what Sumea recently talked about of, Having a hobby outside of work, something that I can look forward to that allows me to kind of like switch my mindset into something else that I really, really enjoy that can bring me energy. For me, I love architecture. I love going for walks. So just for everybody know, I'm based in Chicago, which is like a lovely architecture hub. So I love just like going around and and exploring the city and seeing what type of events are, are happening around this time, which is so overwhelming, which is great because it gives me options. So I think for me, when I'm getting ready to get off work, I'm always asking myself, what is something that I can really look forward to that can, if I had a very long work day or if I was drained, to generate that electricity back? You know, was there is there an event that's going on that I can attend that I really look forward to that I'm excited about that can allow me to generate that energy? So that's something that I've really started to think about just so I can really create that clear separation between, you know, working remotely and making sure that I have a lot of personal time for myself afterwards. Yeah. On that note, one thing that I've found works really well and I wish I could do more often is that the beginning, when I make the beginning of my morning and the day focused on what I want to work on and stay away from emails it's not quite exactly like finding the separation between work, but it's just separating what other people want you to do from what you need to get done and what you want to do. 
So taking those first hour or two for myself rather than checking the emails and then getting started on the path that other people want to take my day, I found that helpful. And then also just turning off email at night because there's no good, nobody's sending you a check for a million dollars at 10 o'clock at night or 11 o'clock at night. So like stop, stop checking the email. There's not good news there at night. So that, that's been helpful as well. Samantha, I see you and I saw one other person raise their hand. We are having technical difficulties. I'm clicking to allow to speak. If you could try dropping and coming back. We'd love to get you on stage. It just LinkedIn. If there's a LinkedIn PM, don't check your email at 1230 because I would tell you our allowing to speak never works. Come on, fix this. But anyway, there she is. And there's, we got another, we got two people up here. So I wish we had read, Sumaya, speaking of managing energy, having, uh, surrounding yourself by good people. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. That's priceless. Yeah. So red usually brings some serious energy to our lives and to this conversation. Sumaya, do you want to try it? Like, can you mimic red as we welcome Samantha on stage? <laughs> I can do it my own way. I cannot compete with red in this department. But I want to, I mean, a warm welcome to Samantha and Rui. Hopefully I said your name correctly. But thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Samantha, do you have a tidbit you want to share? Hi. Yes. I wanted to thank you guys. This is always good. I remember you guys were doing this on Clubhouse, and so it's yes. good to see this in this space as well. You too. Um, but something, I want to touch on a word that you used, Samia, which was gratitude. And I came across something earlier this week that said that gratitude and anxiety can't exist at the same time. And when I read that, I was like, that's so true. Like the feeling of being overwhelmingly anxious about something and feeling appreciation, overwhelming appreciation, those two emotions can exist at the exact same time. Obviously, you know, it could be one after the other or, you know, some sort of spectrum, but gratitude and anxiety can exist at the same time. And so when I saw that, I was like, it's about like making the choice, right? When you have those feelings, especially as a product manager, when sometimes I feel like I need to know it all, (laughs) all at once for everybody. And I might get anxious about, you know, whether or not I'm able to, um, especially as an early career PM, really, you know, make this presentation well to sell uh, this feature or to influence uh, this team member or to mitigate this, you know, dynamic that's happening. I try to like switch up my mind frame. And that's what that that quote kind of reminded me, like I can make the choice to switch up the context in, in which the context of how I'm feeling and what I'm thinking about and how and the perspective that I'm looking at the situation in to a more context of more gratitude instead of being overwhelmed. Like, especially when it comes to my skill set, okay, I don't need to be anxious about this. At least I know how to do this and I know how to do that. And I do have the skill set to do this. And I'm grateful that I have this experience to be able to do this. So kind of just recognizing that I don't have to uh, operate in anxiousness when those feelings come on and I can switch the context of those feelings to gratitude is a way in which that I kind of manage my mental health in like a product management role and outside of that. So I wanted to share that. Thank you, Samantha. I I never really thought of uh, gratitude like as an antidote to anxiety. Part of me actually likes that feeling of anxiety, the one of, you know, restlessness where I want to do better. I want to do more. I, I do thrive in that. But to your point, like having too much of it can be very destructive 
very interesting tidbits here about uh, like basically using gratitude to help you shift that context. I'm curious, do you also like to harness some of the anxiety to help you achieve more? Yeah, you know, I had a restless night just just yesterday. I was up like two o'clock in the morning, like, okay. Because that's when, you know, I know that I need to do something and I'm feeling anxious about what I need to do. So my body and my mind is like, okay, get up and think about it. And, and in that context, it's like, yeah, you kind of thrive. But the main point you highlighted is that it's it's not healthy, you know, when you just go real, you know, far with that kind of emotion or let that emotion drive you. But yeah, it can it can be used as motivation. And the anxiety is a part of our, you know, just a part of our emotional uh, catalog. So it's, it's, it's fine, just not in extremes. Yeah, I got to say, I love that concept because there's, especially as a product manager, when you're constantly required to have a growth mindset and trying to find what's wrong with everything that you did uh, so that you can improve it, that anxiety is good at some level, but at some point to recharge, it does seem like great advice to just say, hey, sit back and be grateful for what you've accomplished, what your product's already doing, what your customers are already saying, and the positives. So I know you still need that anxiety at some points, but I, I love that, Samantha, to at least step back and and be grateful for what you have and what you've done so far till you recharge and get ready to take on that anxiety. Leslie, go ahead. Yeah, I'm curious, um, just hearing this this conversation, which is great, by the way, I wonder if there's a distinction between anxiety and pressure. Because when I think about like applying pressure, I think many of us can rise to the occasion when there's when there's pressure, where it's like, there's a deadline, this is due in two hours. Okay, I have pressure to do this. But I kind of wonder if pressure and anxiety goes hand in hand or if the two is actually separate. Because just listening to Samaya and listening to Samantha, I'm thinking like, it sounds like you thrive off of pressure, but I sometimes wonder, can one thrive off of pressure but not feel anxious, or does the two go hand in hand? I think this, I guess I can kind of open, I guess the floor is open to, to, to have this dialogue. Yeah, I, I think that um, there's a, I'm Jamaican, and there's a saying that says, pressure bus pipe. And it's like pressure, the immensity of it is going to break the thing that's encapsulating it. So I feel like in this context, like pressure, it's not, it's, it's like the extreme of, of that or operating or feeling that extreme of anxiety, that extreme emotion of anxiety. I mean, I think it's necessary. Like we need, it's a, it's a part of how we, how we're motivated and driven. Right. So, and I think some of these things that we talk about, like we can look at it as a spectrum, right? Like it's not good to be too far left or too far right on anything, but to you learn how to manage and balance one way or another or a little bit center because I don't like pressure. <laughs> Doesn't it's not really healthy. That's so funny because I actually had the opposite reaction to Leslie. And I'm thinking pressure is excitement. It is like so pressure makes diamonds, you know, pressure is like it the the heat is on. It's now time to shine. And anxiety feels kind of debilitating. It's like, all right, this is like, I, I can't sleep and I'm not happy and I'm not confident. But pressure is like, all right, I'm ready to step up to the plate and hit a home run. So I actually think pressure and, and anxiety feel very different. And to me personally, uh, you could have a different emotion and respo emotional response to pressure versus like what's causing anxiety. But Leslie, go ahead. Yeah, that's kind of how I was viewing it. I think for me, like I'm, I'm a big sports fan. So when I think of pressure, I think like game seven, or the Super Bowl, 
you know, the championship's on the line, the star shows up, there's a lot of pressure to deliver a championship for your team. And it's usually those players that step up to the plate knowing what's at stake. So I was kind of operating from that mindset, but I feel like both can can be true. I think it just kind of depends on the context because there is that healthy pressure where it's just like, you know what's at stake. I'm excited. Like, I know what's at stake here. I'm going to bring the best that I got. But then there is the, the not so good pressure where it's just like, okay, maybe you dropped the ball on something and now there's pressure for you to not make that same mistake again twice. So I think it I think both can be true. I think it just may it probably just depends on the context in which that pressure is being applied as to whether that pressure can be intense motivation or that pressure can be intense anxiety. And I'd almost guess that pressure plus our times your role in the outcome maybe because anxiety I have when I don't have full confidence in what's going to happen what other people are going to do or what I'm going to be able to do. So when there's confidence plus pressure, it's excitement. When there's lack of confidence plus the pressure, it's anxiety. Sumeya, any any thoughts on pressure versus anxiety and what's good and what's bad and how do you turn one into another? You know what this uh, conversation made me think of? Uh, it's made me think about the connotations, whether positive or negative, we attach to certain words. Like the word pressure versus the word stress. They might be actually exactly the same thing, but one has more of a positive connotation than the other one. And then the other thing I was thinking, like just I went into more of a linguistic tangent here. You know, pressure is what you you face, but anxiety is what you feel. And to me, like I couldn't really differentiate between any of the others because you as a human you might call the same thing different things and then it's all about what is the tactic that works for you so as we're having this conversation I think the nuance we're we're exploring together is the most valuable part of it and whether one person calls it pressure or stress or ambition is really the part that makes our lived experiences so interesting. Well said. Samantha, thank you for your comment. Uh, feel free to stick around, but we went to uh, Rui. Welcome. Uh, what would you like to add or ask? Well, I just wanted to mention some technique that I used to manage my energy and mental health. It was mentioned before, but what I do to manage my energy is to work in a task or something that I have to do and just then reward myself with a break where I can just disconnect from the world, like doing some exercise or going to the kitchen, grab some food or just disconnect from, from work. And then I can recharge my energy and come back to work like with more energy than before. That's something that I do to recharge my energy. And regarding mental health, something that I've been trying to implement, I was reading this, I don't remember it's a book or, well, it's a book where it states that you have to eat the frog in the morning, the soap of the frog in the morning. And it means that sometimes there are difficult tasks that we don't want to do, that nobody wants to do. So you just postpone them and until the day, the end of the day or the end of the week. And that just impacts your mental health because you're just thinking all the day that you have to do that. And because you're postponing it because you don't want to do it, you have that in your mind until the end of the week or the end of the day. So something I'm trying to do is just to start eating that frog in the morning 
So then I can just relax and my mind is like more, I mean, I don't have that in my mind the rest of the day. So I'm just, uh, that's, this is something I'm trying to do because I have been delayed in like these tasks that are difficult or I don't want to do and I'm just postponing it. I don't know if somebody else has problems but- before, but well. Rui, sorry, I, um, I I was shaking my head vigorously here because that's how I feel about exercise. And mm-hmm. if I don't do it first thing in the morning, it's not going to get done. <laughs> 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 and so I like to get that out of the way. I know it's a highly productive mental time for a lot of people. But for me, I need to do my exercise at that time first thing or I won't. It won't happen mm-hmm. at all. <laughs> And I think that goes to what you were saying before, Sumay, of just like all of this conversation, everybody's own experiences and needs are are different and unique and valid and what we just each have to find our own strategies and then learn from what other people are doing and, and test it and try it and see what would work for us. Rui, thank you so much for joining us and, and contributing that. Leslie, anything else that you're doing to balance your mental health to make sure that you're having the right set of emotions. And I mean, I guess, I, to be honest, I, I have a question too of what do we call mental health? Like what exactly, first, I guess we should define it before we describe what we do to maintain it. So Leslie or Sumeya, what does mental health mean to you? For me, it means my ability to recover from a setback fast. So I equate mental health a lot with resilience So that's one. The second part I equated with is my ability to provide the care, love, and support that others around me need in a way that doesn't take from my own well-being. And, you know, as as someone with a family, as someone with a job, we, there, a lot is expected from us in terms of providing care and a listening ear and a lot of things to those around us. So as long as I have those two things, I feel like my mental health is being addressed. Yeah, and, and for me, the way I would define it, um, kind of a, a simple way I would define it, but it's kind of like a, a clear pathway to a healthy mind. And when I think of the, the phrase mental health challenges, you know, when I think of that phrase, it's usually there is something that's blocking this pathway to a healthy mind. And as a result of that, is causing a, a mental health barrier to the point where I can't think clearly or there is something that's constantly impacting my mood that's not making me feel happy or feel fulfilled. But there's like this blockage that is occurring that's, that's stopping me from getting to that clear pathway. And the more that I thought about it that way, it started to allow me to really focus on like the, the, the root cause of why I feel the way that I do. Like, what is that blocker that is stopping me from having a healthy mind at this time? Is it work that I'm doing? Is it a situation that I experienced earlier today that may have caused it? Is there a recurring emotion that I've been experiencing over the past X amount of days, X amount of weeks that, that keeps showing up to create this barrier between a clear mind? So for me, that's, that's, that's how I, I view it. And to answer your original question, you know, what are some of the things that I've continued to do to, to take care of my mental health? One of the things I've been really trying to practice more of is, is mindfulness, but in many, in many different ways. So I love to go for walks. And when it's cold outside, it can be very hard for me to do that, especially if, you, if you've experienced Chicago winter, they suck tremendously. So sometimes there are times where 
when I can't do that, that I can experience some mental health challenges. Like it's really cold outside, you know, I live by myself, I need to go for a walk. Like what are, what are some other coping strategies that I can take advantage of at this particular time to allow me to, to feel more sane at this time? And I usually try to do mindfulness. That could be listening to some relaxing music. There's a YouTube channel that I like to listen to. It's called Nature Relaxation Films. And what I would do is I would just have it on in the background and it's just like a waterfall or the ocean. And it's like very serene music. And just having that in the background, even though I'm not at the place, I can put on the illusion that I'm there. And oftentimes it, it, can, it can calm me down, especially if I'm experiencing aggressive Chicago winter. At least I can kind of put myself in a mindset that I am in, in Cancun or, or something like that. And in the summertime, I like to just go for walks. And this can allow me to just people watch and see people living the human experience, you know, whether it's families playing at the playground, watching people play pickleball, listen to people have conversations, just kind of experiencing those everyday human elements that sometimes you can take for granted when you're so used to just having things digital. And those are things that I think grounds me as I engage in those experiences. Thank you, Leslie. Sumeya, anything that you do to manage your mental health? Yeah. You know, my daily walks, just like Leslie, are so important to me. My best days always start with a walk. Um, and I like to do my walks surrounded by nature, a lot of green. I'm very blessed that I'm near the Potomac River. So there is the water um, and you know the, the, all of that the in the winter you get a little more of that stark landscape where there is not as much green but still it's it, the the nature around me is always intricate and taking me out of my you know typical you know tech wanderings and team wanderings <laughs> the second thing i do a lot of is i read i love to read i love to learn about new things i love to understand what other people's experiences are, uh, whether it's books or even podcasts. Uh, my current podcast of uh, choice that I'm obsessed with is the Huberman Lab, you know, the one about health, uh, physical health, where the professor, Dr. Huberman, talks a lot about different techniques to optimize your mind, to optimize your physical strength. And I'm learning so much just from that. And, uh, yeah, if, you know, if I have that in my week in general, that's great. But then I want to add two other things that don't get mentioned a lot. I think the spiritual aspect of my life adds so much to my well-being when I feel I'm in, in harmony with the universe. It just my heart feels better and then my mind feels better and it all builds on it uh, on itself. And then lastly, uh, mentioned by you, uh, Jeff, and, and actually Leslie, the people part, so the family part, doing the work to stay connected with them can be so hard. I suck at it, actually, but <laughs> I understand why I need to do it because I always get dividends from it. Yeah, the people aspect is so important here. Thank you so much for sharing, Sumeya. Uh, we have somebody else on stage here. Harpreet, what would you like to add or ask to the conversation? 
No, Jeffrey, I actually just hobbled on this one. I was just uh, browsing and I was like, oh my God, Jeffrey is doing this audio event. And it was something which was close, which is very close to my heart. And Jeffrey and I have been connected on LinkedIn. And I was like, oh my God, he's talking about product managers. He's talking about mental health. As a product, product leader at a mama company, whatever you can call, <laughs> uh, at Microsoft, I would say, from last 12 years and in the industry for 20 years. It's just been so crazy as a working woman, as a working mom, as a working wife. It's just so hard when you are managing teams, when you are, and at the same time, you want to have an impact that having a clear sense of how you're taking care of your mental as well as physical health is so, so, so important. I have learned so much from my failures, Jeffrey, and that's most of the time those happened when I was not putting boundaries on my own self. You know, every person is different. I, on the other side, you know, to a point, my kids called me workaholic and I have reached to a point where I need boundaries. So, which... uh, going to help me for my own mental health as well as physical health. So I would say the things which I have been doing to add to what Leslie and had been saying as well is prioritize, prioritize, prioritize ruthlessly. I use this Eisenhower metrics. I don't know if you all have heard about it. It's do decide to delegate or delete. Like what is that you really need to do right now? Uh, Hell will break loose if you don't do it. You can then the next quadrant about of importance is decide. Can I push it to next week or can I do it in coming weeks? Can I delegate? The third thing is, can I delegate? The fourth is, does it even need to? And our mind plays so many games with us, Jeffrey, that, oh my God, this is important. But if you start looking at the outcome, that may be not important. And then putting focus time to do these in a prioritized manner. Interestingly enough, mental health, it's, you know, when we have something wrong with our body, when we are physically hurt, we run to the doctor. We literally go get medical help. That's the same for our mind. If our mind chemicals, if our brain chemicals are not in order and we are getting that, you know, feeling of overwhelmed, feeling feeling of, you know, anxiety or whatever that is, we got to get that in order. And maybe some people meditation helps, some people focus time helps, some people go in the nature and helps, some people may need to go seek help. And I did that. So it's okay. I think the key important thing I would say is as productive managers we are all like I call myself a chaos wrangler Jeffrey and I say sometimes you need when you're doing chaos wrangling all the time you need to put some processes in place to take care of the chaos which is in your mind as well and you know spending quality time can help with with your friends and family uh, sometimes help me meditation helps me so those were some of the things which I wanted to add but thank you so much for getting me on the stage I was just listening in so glad to have you contribute and I have a question based off of what you've said and either you could answer or Leslie and Sumeya can answer but setting these boundaries and ruthlessly prioritizing how do you set those up in a way that is energizing instead of taking away the energy because you know we're wired to not say no at least I I think a lot of people are and maybe I speak I'm wired I feel like to not say no so how do you say no in a way that adds your energy instead of taking it away in its own right 
Oh my God, you just hit the thing, which, uh, you know, frankly, it took me so long to get away from, you know, always saying yes, right? So uh, I keep my charter very much in my mind. And, um, you know, uh, professionally, I always keep the the charter or the vision which I'm trying to achieve uh, in my mind. What's my North Star? If it doesn't align to my North Star, it's not on top of my priority, you know, and I can decide or delegate? Is it something which really needs my attention and will connect me to the successes? You've got to be very, very diligent. And as you move up the chain, for my our listeners out here, as you move up the chain, this becomes super, super, super important to be very crisp and clear about when you're making those decisions and the ones which are going to drain your energy. You know, um, and as a, as, a, as a leader, you may have tasks which kind Kind of you may not be interested in, but still as a part of your charter, you may not have that strength. So look for the people on your team who have those strengths and then maybe they get excited about that. That is how you kind of prioritize. And the way I do it, frankly, my, you know, my, my calendar is a mess. It's one single calendar, which I use. And yes, great Microsoft Outlook. Mm -hmm. I love it. It also has my family stuff in there. Like I will put out of office in the mornings, because I got to take care of my little, uh, little one, my older one is already, well, he's going to be with you, Jeffrey, he's joining UW. So he'll, uh, he'll be there soon in the fall. But you know, I, I put focus time, I put focus time within during lunch hours and coffee hours where I kind of mentor and you know, go have time with the team. And even for family, I frankly, people ask me, how do you do it all? Harpreet, you're a keynote speaker, blah, 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 and all. I don't have it all. I am here to state it to all of you. I do not have it all. I am struggling as well. I challenge myself every day, but we are learners. That's where we call ourselves learn it all versus know it all. And it's the quality time with my family that matters versus the quantity. I can spend a whole day with my kid and be on my phone. That doesn't, that that's of no use versus I'm spending an hour with the kid and having quality time. That probably makes more sense to me. And I may be wrong, but that's how I have been doing it. And so far, it's okay. And, uh, you know, it all depends on your culture as well, Jeffrey. I, I come from 17 years ago, I came to this country and same immigrant story, right? Always saying yes, that headbang or whatever they call from Indians, very popular, saying yes to everything. But slowly and steadily, you find your things which will give you energy and align to your charter versus saying, stating no, or even stating that, hey, not my priority today, I will get it done in two weeks. Is that okay with you? Being very, very diligent on the outcome you want to achieve now versus in two weeks. Those, so those are my undrafted, unlooked in my mind, my whatever my mind could spit out at this point, Jeffrey, points for you. Wonderful. So grateful to have you uh, join us on stage here. So grateful to have you open here about this issue. And now it's time for concluding thoughts. And Harper, you could stay if you want to give a, a candid or a bite-sized takeaway at the end of this. But uh, Sumeya, Leslie, and if you would like, Harper, uh, I'd love to hear concluding thoughts that you want to leave the audience with. I think I'm going to just end with what we started with, which is you need to probably focus most as a as a person or as a human on understanding yourself 
And once you do, you're halfway through, you know, the battle. When we started the conversation, Leslie started by telling us about one of the challenges he had post-pandemic and understanding that that's actually a challenge for him. I think half of our personal challenges in managing our mental health and energy and everything else that goes around our uh, in our personal worlds is just understanding why am I reacting that way? Why am I feeling this way? And then once we do, as PMs, we're really good at problem solving. And then you can, you know, go and do research and understand how different people have solved that problem. Or you might already know what is the thing you need to do. So, yeah, I'm so happy we got to have this conversation, Jeff. Thanks for thinking of it. And I love that, too, Samantha. Everything's a PM problem, right? Your mental health choose your North Star, fall in love with the problem, uh, get creative about potential solutions. It's, uh, yes, good advice here. It resonates with me. I don't want to say good advice in the sense that it's going to work for everyone. Because uh, again, as, as you said to me, I think this is deeply personal, but it's good for us to, to share these tips. And, and it sounds like it's resonating with me is all I could say, not that it should resonate with everybody else. Leslie, what would you like to conclude with? Also, when in doubt, you can always put it as a backlog item. Just kidding. But um, I love it. <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> but I, 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 I need to start that. <laughs> I think for me, the, the, the takeaway that I, I leave this with is you're not alone in how you're feeling. You know, I, I think the, Sur- the Surgeon General recently came out with a report, like an A2 page report talking about we're experiencing a loneliness epidemic. So a lot of us have this desire for connection right now. So one thing that I would tell myself is recognize that the feelings that I'm feeling is valid. You know, there, there are mental health challenges that have definitely evolved, I'd say, due to the ever-changing nature of our work. But also recognize that I don't have to experience this by myself. You know, I, I talked about body doubling and seeking out supporters or, you know, I say like peers that I can embark on this journey with. And I feel like just recognizing that and holding space for community, regardless of what I'm doing, whether it's at work, whether it's personally, I think can can be extremely valuable. So just wanted to say that because I, I recognize that this experience can feel isolating. It can feel lonely, but just knowing that you're not alone in this experience. Thank you so much, Leslie. Again, proud of you as a, the inaugural, a member of the inaugural cohort of the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator. And here you are, a product manager, uh, giving some fantastic advice to everybody here on the podcast. This is also the circle of life. Um, I know Sumaya just recently left, but, you know, Jeffrey, you know, invited me to be a part of first inaugural cohort. But I also want to give a shout out to Harpreet because she was my onboarding leader so it's nice. It's nice to to see you on the call. What? Yeah, what? you in August. You were my onboarding. You were my oh onboarding my leader. God. So oh when I God. saw that you were here, I'm just like, oh my goodness! I don't think she realized that she's like the best onboarding leader ever. But. Oh my God! Uh, well, uh, we can say thank you to Jeffrey. And guess what? I'm actually out of office sick today because I wasn't feeling very well. And guess, and I'm taking a mental health the day uh, today as well, Jeffrey. So that was the reason I was like, I gotta hop up and you know 
I already feel better at just, uh, you know, joining this. And I would say whatever, they were so amazing. And so thank you for your thoughts. I would say for, for my last thing, you know, I have been reading this book again by Mark uh, Malson. It's, uh, I don't know if I should say this, the name of, it's the subtle art of not giving a F, <laughs> but please go ahead and listen to it. It's uh, it's a pretty good book, which kind of tells you what you should and what you should not, because there's so many and on the boundaries things and taking care of your mental health. Because guess what? Uh, we, our work is going to get more and more. We are going to keep getting more and more. Yes, AI is coming, but it's not going to change many things on our side. Uh, so how do we do more? and more with quality and with and quickly we got to keep saying we got to keep taking care of our mental health it's so so important i listen to it on blinklist if people don't know blinklist is an app where you can kind of i'm not promoting it or anything but i just love it because there's so sometimes we don't even have time to read the full book so it just summarizes it so it's just an amazing way for me to keep kind of keep up with the blogs podcasts and books as well jeffrey all right thank you both and thank you samaya thank you to everybody for listening i think my my key takeaway i just want to leave the audience with is uh to reiterate what leslie said you are not alone and so there's all ranges of energy and mental health and i know we sometimes feel like we have to be i don't know like there's all manners of, of mental health that you could uh, be allowed to prioritize and feel upset about and wanting to fix it doesn't have to just be the extreme cases and so i hope that everybody realizes through the all of us sharing uh, that you're not alone. There, It is a problem that you can fix, and hopefully some of the resources or ideas that were shared today give you hope or ideas for how to fix or to improve your mental health and energy. So thank you all for joining us, and hopefully we'll see you next week here as we have another conversation every week, every Tuesday at 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. Pacific time here on LinkedIn. Take care, everybody. <laughs>